and welcome to the Westside Church's special Monday Morning Coffee Podcast. On this podcast, our preacher, Mark Roberts, will help you get your week started right with a look back at yesterday's sermon so that we can think through it further and better work the applications into our daily lives. Mark will then look forward into this week's Bible reading so that we can know what to expect and watch for. And he may have some extra bonus thoughts from time to time. So grab a cup of coffee as we start the week together on Monday Morning Coffee with Mark. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Monday Morning Coffee podcast. I'm Mark Roberts and I've got a full cup of coffee. It's some amazing coffee. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But more than a full cup of coffee, I have a full heart. What an amazing and incredible weekend we just had. The Westside Youth Lectures, our 27th edition, is in the books, and it was just phenomenal. Just an incredible, wonderful, amazing event. And I'm just stuffed full of all kinds of ideas and helpful thoughts and powerful applications. The preaching, the singing, everything was just splendid. And I know that if you were there in person or if you watched online, you're feeling just like me. So much goodness in one weekend. Love the youth lectures. Makes me look forward to the lectures next year already. Let me share with you then this morning a couple of thoughts from my sermon yesterday. I get to finish the lectures every year, and yesterday I preached on the secret to finding God's way. And that secret, not really much of a secret, is that God is good. God is very good. And as we began that, to talk about that and work with that, and just worked out of Genesis, the third chapter, where the devil causes Adam and Eve to question God's goodness. That's the beginning of everything that goes wrong for Adam and Eve. That's the beginning of the end. When they decide somehow God is holding out on them, that God is keeping them from something that really would be marvelous and wonderful for them, when they question the goodness of God, it's over. It's over. They end up in sin. And that, of course, is exactly what happens not just to young people, but to all of us when we butt up against one of God's prohibitions or we run into something that God is telling us to do and we don't want to do it, then we start questioning whether God really knows what he's doing. Maybe I'm just smarter than God. Maybe I know better than God. God doesn't know what he's doing. God doesn't know how things are in this modern world. And we strike out on our own and disobey the Lord. That is what happened to Adam and Eve. That's what happens today. And I think we can do better than that if we would build more trust in the goodness of God. We talked then yesterday about how we can know God is good. And one of the things that I did was just stack a pile of verses up. And I want to encourage you to go back and look at that and think about that. Maybe jot those verses down on the back of your Bible. Let's just keep holding on to how much the Bible says God is good. If we would just read those verses more, I think it would sink into our hearts and would help us do a better job of trusting in God. And then, of course, there are other avenues besides just the Bible pounding away at that in so many different places. For example, just look around at our world. It's so incredible and amazing and beautiful. When you see all of that, we just need to be saying, wow, God made this for us. God is amazingly good. And of course, please remember, God has nothing to gain from you or from me. We've all had a friend that's 
been involved in some kind of network marketing, multi-level marketing scheme, and they cozy up to us, and the next thing you know, they're doing that, not because they like us, but because they want us to be in their upstream cell process, whatever you call all of that, and we just feel a little bit used. God is not using you. God is not doing that to you and me. God, in fact, lets us use Him. God sent His Son for us. This is a revolutionary idea. I just can't say enough about this because there's nothing like this in any other of the religions of the time in the New Testament world. There's just nothing like that. In that world, humans annoy the gods um, or are used by the gods to be part of their petty struggles and jealousies and rivalries. In the Bible, the real God doesn't use us. He sends His Son for us. God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. We just need to meditate, think about that, and rejoice in that more. The cross stands for all time as the absolute guarantee of God's goodness. And God's goodness means, in a very practical way, a number of really exciting things like God is always available for us. He's never asleep. He's never too busy to hear us pray. And He has given us the best kind of life that is full of meaning and purpose and beyond anything else. He has prepared a place for us. God says, come, come and live with me in the most amazing home ever. This is an incredible, powerful testimony to God's goodness, and it ought to make us love God more, it ought to make us trust God more, and want to do what God tells us to do from a joyful heart because He is so good to us. I'm going to give you one final thought then, maybe an application out of this. You can't say everything in a sermon. I really would love to have talked a little bit about the concept of stupidity. That's maybe a little offensive. Um, Some parents I know don't want their uh, kids even saying the word stupid. But if you think about stupidity, I've done some reading, seen some research on this. In one fella, he defines stupidity as overlooking or dismissing conspicuously crucial information. That would mean, for example, then, that the sinking of the Titanic wasn't neglect and it wasn't an accident. It was was stupid. There were many warnings of icebergs in the area. They had seen ice themselves. They knew they were going too fast to come to a safe stop if an iceberg appeared ahead. Yet despite conspicuous, conspicuous, try saying that fast, despite conspicuous evidence, they acted contrarily to the information before them. And that was stupid. Well, the Bible has a word for that. The Bible word for that is fool. So, for example, the Psalms tell us, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Despite conspicuous and obvious evidence to our Creator's existence, some deny it. And that is, well, that's foolish. So, do you know what it is when you and I believe the devil's lies that God is not for us, that God is holding out on us, that God is denying us something that would really make our lives rich and full and amazing? You you know what that is? Yeah. That's stupid. It just means that we're fools because we're believing the words of a murderer instead of the word of God who is the giver of life and who loved us so very much. I think about that in terms of the end of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about two builders. One builder is wise and one builder is stupid. He's foolish. And the builder is who is wise, Jesus says, is the one who hears and does my words. Why would you do that? Because you trust Jesus. 
because you know Jesus knows way more than we know because you know Jesus cares and loves us. So we do things Jesus' way. That's wise. That's wise building. But if you don't think Jesus knows what he's doing, doesn't really like us, doesn't really care what's best for us, then you just strike out on your own. Build up there over on the sand. Jesus tells us, you build like that, great will be the fall of your house. Because that's foolish. What do you want to be? Wise or foolish? The life of Christianity, finding and following God's way, the secret to that is the life for people who trust that God is good. That is what sustains us and holds us through all the ups and downs of life. I don't understand everything. I don't know everything, but God does, and God cares for me. God is good. Hope you can carry some of that into your week. We're going to drop some extra episodes of the podcast this week. We're just going to drop in all the sermons from the youth lectures this week. So on Tuesday, on through the week, you'll just be getting some downloads so that you can listen again, or maybe for the first time, to the wonderful messages that we heard at this year's 27th annual Westside Youth Lectures. It was a great, great weekend culminating in thinking about the goodness of God. Let's turn our attention to our Bible reading for the week in John's Gospel. Monday, today, we're going to be reading John 12, 37 to 50. Then we'll start chapter 13 on Tuesday, finish it on Wednesday, be in chapter 14 on Thursday and Friday. I hope that uh, you are enjoying the Gospel of John as much as I am. It is an amazing and incredible Gospel. And as I'm talking with you, I'm enjoying a great cup of coffee that I made with my Chemex. If you don't know about a Chemex, you ought to Google that. It's a wonderful device to use for coffee making at home, and I'm always amazed. This is one of the fun things about coffee is that the same coffee beans can taste very differently depending upon how you brew them. And I've been using my V60 a lot, and today these went into a Chemex, and it's a very full-bodied cup of coffee that I am really, really liking, like I'm liking the Gospel of John. So we're reading in John 12, 37 to the end of the chapter, verse 50, today, Monday. And this really is a section that deals with the tragedy of unbelief. And there's going to be a lot here about the prophet Isaiah and hardening hearts and they can't see. Don't get lost and decide somehow God didn't want these people to believe or God somehow prevented them from believing. No, some people do believe. Verse 42 says that. This is determined unbelief. I don't want to believe despite all that Jesus has done that would engender real faith. So watch carefully here because God's sovereignty does not overrule human responsibility and God's hardening is not capricious. God will harden those who do not want to believe, however. Maybe the old sermon illustration about the same sun hardens the concrete and melts the butter is what we need right here. Some people see the things that Jesus has done, hear his teachings, and they say, you're the Messiah. And some people see amazing things like the raising of Lazarus, and their response is, we got to kill this guy. That's on them. That's in their heart. At the end of our reading today, verses 44 to 50, there's an incredible 
just huge statement of Jesus where he just piles all the themes of John's gospel into one place. Just watch how many terms and themes are used in this one little paragraph. Believe, sent, light, darkness, abide, judgment. By the way, verse 41 has glory. That's going to become a huge theme as we move forward in this last week of Jesus' life. Just start underlining those ideas. Start watching for those. All of that is being pushed into the front by John as once again Jesus is making a final push here to get us to the place where we will believe in Jesus Christ and have life in his name. Now on Tuesday then we'll begin John chapter 13 and the last Passover which John instead of telling us about the institution of the Lord's Supper tells us about something Matthew, Mark, and Luke does not, and that's the famous washing of feet. Now, there's a couple of questions here in John 13 that will come up. Sometimes people ask about John's chronology, and sometimes it seems a little different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and reconciling all that's beyond a few minutes here in a podcast, but it just seems best. The easiest solution to all of this is that this is Thursday. Mark's Gospel, Mark 14, 12, seems to indicate that. This is Thursday and going into Thursday night, which technically because the Jews start the day at 6 p.m. is actually kind of Friday morning for them. And all of that is you try to decide if John's using Roman time and... uh, that's just beyond us, but I'm, I'm going to call it Thursday. And on Thursday, they celebrate the Passover, and Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Jesus, knowing, verse 3, that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he came from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Please notice here that he does wash Judas Iscariot's feet. I think that's very significant. That would make the betrayal of Judas Iscariot far more worse. After he'd been connected with Jesus all this time, all the training, seen the miracles, and now this very humiliating act of service where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. The rabbi said that not the most menial slave, if he was a Jew, can be made to do this. And Jesus does this. They're walking around all day, dirty, smelly, muddy. Uh, This is a time where people don't have sanitation services. What do feet smell like? Jesus gets up and does this, and Judas is part of that. Again, maybe one of the questions that will come, since verse 2 says that the, that the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, so nice people trying to let Judas off the hook. That is not the case here at all. That just means that he had been tempted and he is held accountable for what he does about that temptation, just like you and I are. So don't get, don't get lost there or somehow decide that Judas isn't responsible for what he's doing. Of course, the other question that we get is, why aren't we foot washing today? Jesus even says some things about, you know, do you realize what I have done, verse 12? And so if I am Lord and teacher, verse 14, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Shouldn't we be doing foot washing today? And the answer to that is pretty simple, and that is that making this into a literal religious rite completely misses the point of what Jesus is teaching here. In fact, nobody got up and started doing a foot washing ceremony as a result of what Jesus did because they understood that what Jesus is commending here is serving, serving each other. That's what Jesus is all about. Truly I say unto you, verse 16, a servant is not greater than his master. If Jesus served, we ought to serve. It's not the right of foot washing. That's not bound anywhere else in the New Testament. Remember, just because Jesus does something doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to do it. Jesus rode on a donkey. I don't own a donkey, and I'm not planning to get one anytime soon. But Jesus here does teach the principle of serving, and that does go on 
We ought to be doing that. We should be doing that. And we see that in Jesus' life in Tuesday's reading. So then on Wednesday, we'll read John 13, verses 21 to 38. And this is the conclusion then of these Last Supper discussions and paves the way, opens the way for the final discourse in chapter 14. And I just want us to notice here some things about the beloved disciple because for the first time we hear in verse 23 about the disciple whom Jesus loved. And when you look down through all of the characteristics of this one disciple, he has to be an apostle. They seem to be the only ones at the supper. He appears a lot with Peter in comparison of various scenarios to the other gospels. It has to be, the beloved disciple just has to be John. There isn't anybody else who will fit the bill. And I don't think that's a way of John patting himself on the back. I think what he's just saying is, I was really close to Jesus, and I know what I'm talking about because I, I, I had the best seat in the house to see the things that were going on. Then Jesus does some teaching here, beginning verse 31, about his death. And the keynote here really is assurance and comfort for his disciples as they prepare for Jesus' death, which is just something they're not ready for at all. And there is, here it comes, the glory theme. 31, Son of Man is glorified, God is glorified. Please notice, we think of glory as being something where everybody's celebrating you and you're being put on a pedestal and thousands are applauding and you're getting a standing ovation. Glory here is the cross. Glory is the crucifixion and horrible death of Jesus. Think of how that stands kingdom values on its head. Do you want glory in the kingdom of God? The way to glory in the kingdom of God is not to do some great thing where thousands applaud. It's to serve. It's to give yourself up. It's even to lose your life for the sake of Jesus Christ. There's a real change here of the tone and mood in our reading. The die is cast. Jesus urged Judas... Uh, he urges Judas here to go and start the process because there's no going back. It's time now to be glorified. So in chapter 14 then, we'll read chapter 14 verses 1 to 11 on Thursday, and we see a still a last-ditch attempt by Jesus to teach some things about the kingdom, and there's still so much misunderstanding about what's going on, how things are going to happen, and Peter's, oh, he just... I love Peter to death, but he's just always putting his foot in his mouth. His confidence in self is just so misplaced. We see some of that at the end of chapter 13. And then Philip, same kind of thing, putting his foot in his mouth in verse 8. Lord, show us the Father. Jesus says, how can you say that, Philip? I have been with you so long. Lots of misunderstanding, which sets up the idea, these guys aren't going to get where they need to get without some help. They need some help. And the comforter is what they're going to need. So in Friday's reading, beginning in verse 12 of chapter 14, Jesus begins to talk about doing greater works. How can they do greater works? Well, they're going to do greater works in that they'll have more spiritual effect because more people will be reached. They're going to do greater works because they're going to be helped by the comforter. This farewell discourse, chapter 13, really begins about 1331, all the way through chapter 17 contains five distinct 
Holy Spirit tax. Chapter 14, 16, and 17, and also verse 26. Chapter 15, chapter 16. There's lots of discussion here about the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people make a terrible mistake in trying to appropriate these promises to themselves. The Holy Spirit is going to guide them. The Holy Spirit is going to help them. There's no question the Holy Spirit does all kinds of things for the Christian, but you don't want to get that understanding out of these texts where Jesus is making specific promises to his apostles who have a unique role in the kingdom and in the church unlike anybody else. So we just want to be careful about that, but this will help us have more confidence in the apostles as we watch their work, their apostolic preaching, their apostolic writing. How do we know they got it right? Maybe they should have done it differently. No, no, they got it right because they had the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, with them. And the passages here that we read, I'm thinking here, uh, John 14, 16, I will ask in the Father, I will ask the Father, it'd be great if I could read, wouldn't it? I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper or comforter. That word is a little difficult to translate directly into English. And he will give another helper to be with you forever. Clearly, the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal power. It's not the force like in Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is a person like the Father and the Son. And the Word here clearly shows that the Holy Spirit is in concert with the Father's will, just like Jesus is in concert with the Father's will. This is not some new thing. It's always been planned. It's what God wants. It's what is best. And so the Holy Spirit is going to come and help the apostles in a special kind of way. And we'll be reading through that on Friday, John 14, 12 to 21. And we'll pick that up even in our reading, of course, next week. As I said, I think a huge idea here for you and for me is to see the Holy Spirit. Literally, it's a term, the counselor, comforter. Sometimes people will translate it literally paraclete. I'm not sure why. We have to use Greek terms here. Does that mean a whole lot? But it means one called alongside. It can even reference a legal assistant or an advocate. So counselor probably is not bad, but it's not a camp counselor. It's not a marriage counselor. It's an advocate. It's one who comes and assists these apostles. And, and again, helper is going to be okay as long as you don't think of it as an inferior. The Holy Spirit is going to come and help the apostles in their understanding so they can do their great work. Well, I hope that's going to help you as you read our text this week. When we started in John, you may remember the sermon that I preached in the 9 a.m. hour about how to read the Gospel of John. One of the things that we talked about is slowing down. John's Gospel is so dense. It's just so loaded. Mark's Gospel begs us to read it faster. It's just a series of episodes and, and anecdotes, bang, 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 and it just pushes to the conclusion. You can read Mark's gospel in one sitting. John's gospel says, pour yourself another cup of coffee. Slow down, read this carefully, read this thoughtfully, work through your five questions, and get to know Jesus, and most importantly, have life in his name because you believe that he is the Messiah. Well, thanks for listening. If you love the Monday Morning Coffee podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or whatever app you're listening on. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. We will be dropping some extra episodes this week. Watch for those as we're thinking still about our youth lectures and what a great weekend that was. So until next time, may your coffee be delightful. May your Monday be short. And may the Lord be with you today, all day. See you next week. 
Thanks for listening to the Westside Church of Christ podcast, Monday Morning Coffee with Mark. For more information about Westside, you can connect with us through our website, justchristians.com, and our Facebook page. Our music is from Upbeat.io. That's Upbeat with two P's, U-P-P-B-E-A-T, where creators can get free music. Please share our podcast with others, and we look forward to seeing you again, with a cup of coffee, of course, on next Monday. 